You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Candace Caesar's father and grandfather both served in our country's military. She knew that she wanted to serve as well, enlisting in the U.S. Army. But a vehicle accident while on duty in Germany impacted her military career after suffering a spinal cord injury. She challenged her prognosis by setting out with a goal to complete a marathon or half marathon in every state. Now, she has her sights set on competing in para-archery at the 2024 Paralympic Games in Paris. So, Candy, it's a pleasure to talk to you. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Sean. Very nice to meet you. So I'm a former Army, former military, so I always like to ask, you know, just how did you uh, get into the service and what prompted you to join? Oh, I was Army too. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We can speak our own language. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So my grandfather was a World War II veteran. My father was a Vietnam veteran. And he did not have a son. So I was not allowed to join the military. He was like, no, you know, you're the only child. You don't need to go. And I was like, okay, that's not a big deal. I don't want to join the military. And I went on with my life because this was a conversation we had as a child. But I've always been a giver. And I've always wanted to serve people just in general. And I thought, what would be the best capacity for me to serve? And it was in the military. So when I was in college, I was like, you know, this scene is not really for me. I would really do better if I would provide service to my country. So I dropped out. I enlisted, joined the Army. I was a personnel administrative specialist because the best support the rest. <laughs> and <laughs> but I wanted to jump out of airplanes. I know I'm a little strange with this this administration career, but. That's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to help the best way I knew how. Yeah, well, and it takes all, right? So I was a quartermaster. I was a supply clerk. So, you know, I, yes. I it takes all, right? <laughs> yes. And, and when were your grandfather and your father Army as well? They were. Okay. So a long-standing family tradition of serving our country. Three, in the, in the Three US generations. Army. Yeah. Three generations. And I tried to get my son to enlist. I was like, dude, come on. You're the only son. It's your turn. <laughs> no, not yet. He's in college. Well, he not just yet. graduated college. Not yet. We'll just leave it there. Yeah. Not yet. Maybe not yet. there might still be an opportunity where he may, may change his ways, right? <laughs> right? Like, see the error in your ways. Join. And so what what time frame were you in? How long were you in? I was in for seven and a half years before they medically retired me. Okay. And my goal was to be a lifer. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. But, but I, 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 ch I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got injured. So I was like, man, I really don't want to be an instructor. I guess I'll go and find something else to do with my life. Yeah. And, um, and so what, what duty stations did you have? I went to Korea first. I was in Germany the longest, and then I was at, Park, at Fort Hood. Okay, yeah. So um, 
you, you mentioned you, you mentioned your injury and, and medical uh, medical retirement. Uh, for those that may not be familiar with your story, kind of walk us through that. Well, December fifth, nineteen ninety nine. We were. I can't tell you where we were going because I do not know where we were going. But I was stationed in Germany, and we were leaving one post, going to another one, and we skid on black ice. The vehicle flipped over about five or six times. The axle broke. Mm. And the NCO behind me was not wearing the seatbelt. I was in the, what, I almost said the TC position, the front passenger seat. (laughs) 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 And (laughs) the person behind me flew around, uh, hit me in the neck. So I fractured C5 through C8, Mm. broke one of those or two of those, um, L5 and S1 damage. And then uh, punctured a lung from a broken rib. When they exited the vehicle, I was unconscious, so I could not get out. They thought that the vehicle was going to blow up. So when they kicked out the windshield, they drug me through. And that's how I got the spinal cord injury. Mm -hmm. So I am considered a walking quad, but I suffer from right hemiplasia. So I have right side weakness, but left side, I don't feel sensory. Mm -hmm. So all four limbs are affected. And and uh, how and long was yeah. how long was your recovery? I mean, how long were you in the hospital? I don't know, and I say that because for years I thought I was in the hospital for two weeks because my family lied to me. I, I just found that out like in 2020. I was like, that's just no, that's no fair. Um, when I got home, I thought it was 20 days later because the Christmas tree was still up. Uh huh. And I celebrated Christmas with my two year old. Like they. I'm sure they meant it in yeah. a good way. Yeah. But when I was talking to my best friend, she was like, girl, you were in the hospital for months. And I'm like, do you, can you tell me, you know, it's 21 years later. Can you tell me how long I was in the hospital? Cause I really felt as though I had a very quick recovery because I went from the German hospital to launch And then I was discharged to do outpatient therapy at my unit. That was my place. of duty was the hospital. Oh, wow. So, so you did like PT and rehab at, at basically at at your unit location. I did. I had to go to oh. the, my place of duty was actually the hospital. So I would wake up in the morning. I would phone in. I'd have to go to the hospital all day. Yeah. And then I would come back home. Hmm. And so, what was your foray and an introduction, I guess, to you know the adaptive sports space? I mean, how did you how did you go from uh, you know, recovery and med- medical retirement to, you know, I, I want to, you know, participate in, in a number, number of different sports, which we'll talk, to, which we'll talk about, you know, the, the ones that, that I know that you're involved, been involved in, but how did you first get into that? Long story short, first and foremost, I just told you I had all of those injuries. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that I was a paralyzed veteran. I, I understood that I had foot drop but my goal was to be walking. And mm-hmm. so when I exited the military, I walked with a flatbed crutch and a cane. So I had graduated. I was in a wheelchair for a very brief amount of time. So in my mind, I was not an adaptive athlete. Mm-hmm. I got home, went to the VA. I was like, hey, I need uh, adaptive equipment so I can go run. They tell me, you don't need to worry about running. Just go ahead and walk. So you have to remember, this is early 2000s. So 
fast forward to 2014, I was looking at my bucket list and I said, oh, I told the doctor when he told me I would never walk again, I told him I'd walk a marathon. I think Mm -hmm. I need to start training for that. My son was a senior in high school at the time. And I said, this is a perfect opportunity. He has a license. If something happens, he can give me to the ER. So I was trained for my first marathon. I ran it February 2nd, 2015. And shortly thereafter, I actually qualified for Boston Marathon. Didn't know that. But the very next weekend, I ran a half marathon. I figured if I could run a marathon, I can do a half. And I kept doing them until, actually, I ran until 2020. But I did that until 2016. That's when I started doing running a half marathon in all 50 states. So I've run 24 marathons. I've run 86 half marathons. I've completed 14 triathlons and two duathlons. And then my injury started to catch up with me around 2018. So then I began hand cycling marathons. Mm -hmm. So I hand cycled my first marathon. I did Chevron. I hand, I, ran New York. I ran Boston four times, but then I ended up hand cycling New York in 2019. And I was supposed to hand cycle Boston in 2020. I ended up doing it virtually. Um, And while I was training with that, I met a lot of adaptive athletes and they were like, dude, you're an adaptive athlete. (laughs) I'm like, what? I'm not like everybody else. And so they were like, no. I'm like, I know I run with a leg brace, but I'm doing it. And they were like, well, you know, there are groups with with people with disabilities. And I was like, I had no idea. And you're a veteran. They have veteran groups. And I'm like, really? So I kind of missed all of that, just doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. And as I would see them, I was introduced to them and decided to participate with them. So you said you uh, launched with the idea of doing a marathon in every state, right? I did. And, and, I and have a marathon in every state. And you, So you have? You actually have completed that? No, I have four states left. Oh, which four states? I have New Hampshire, Maine, Nebraska, and South Dakota. My okay. goal is to finish this year. So after Paralympic trials in June. yeah. yeah. The very next week, I have two half marathons scheduled for New Hampshire and Maine. Then in August, I have the Nebraska State Fair. And my finale, which would be State 50, will be a Mount Rushmore half. I will be hand cycling that one. Wow. That is so cool. Well, congrats. I mean, what a what a bucket list and what a be what a what a feather for the cap to be able to put to say I've completed that bucket list item, right? Yes, yes. And, and so I have to ask, uh, of the marathons that you've done, and obviously one in every state except for four, what is what is what is your favorite? Disney Half Marathon was the best. I did it as a part of the Dopey Challenge, where the first day you run a 5K, then you run a 10K, you run a half, and then do the marathon. And then I hopped on the cruise ship and I did the Castaway Key Challenge, where you do the 5K on the island. So oh I was goodness. actually the first hand cyclist to do the 5K on the island because I was so worn out from the 5K, the 10K and the half actually running that I had to hand cycle the marathon and hand cycle the 5K. But I finished and I loved that one. I loved it. That Wow. Well, the characters come out. 
That's right. I mean, it's it just reeks of fun, right? I mean, yes. I mean, why not? Smile. You're like running and smiling and cycling and smiling and yes, and taking pictures all the, the way through. Time. That's awesome. <laughs> what was the most challenging one for you? The most challenging was covered bridges in Vermont because of the time limit. I had to finish in three hours mm-hmm. and. It took me three hours and like 10 minutes, but it was hilly. I'm from <laughs> Texas. It's flat. The hill we have in Houston are overpass or overpasses. Those are the only hills. I mean, San Antonio has hills, but Houston does not. And I was climbing mountains. I was like, oh my gosh. And it was raining. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Rain, rain's never fun for <laughs> certain activities. <laughs> right. <laughs> It dampens, pun intended, the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> it does. And it and part of that is because you don't have the crowd support because nobody wants to stand in the rain and cheer for you <laughs> unless true. you're at the Boston Marathon. Because the year 2018, I remember it was that year. That was the year where I swam Boston. Mm. It rained. It hailed. It was freezing. It was the worst year ever. But there were spectators along the entire line. Yeah, they still come out. Yeah, no matter what. They, they, they still come out. They still come out. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I, I can't wait to get a, a hear an update about um, once you complete the Mount Rushmore one. That'll be really exciting. Yes. And so, um, you know, I know we were talking before we started about uh, getting into archery. Again, how did you how did you decide, hey, I want to I want to try this, this sport called archery? <laughs> that was hard that was really hard archery was a stretch but um november the paralyzed veterans of america had a workshop where they introduced us to archery and i never really thought about archery as an adaptive athlete Mm -hmm. and i thought that was pretty cool i went out i bought a bow mind you that was in november because i'm running marathons and basically 52 weeks in a year, I'm at home five weeks because every weekend I'm running a half marathon somewhere else. I didn't mm-hmm. have time to pick up a bow and practice. So when COVID kicked off in March, I was actually training and I fell. I had to drag myself home a mile and a half mm. and because it was COVID. So you can't call anybody. You've got to stay six feet. How is somebody going to help me? So I elected to drag myself home. And from that, I ended up in a wheelchair and I was unable to run. And I was like, hmm, what can I do? Well, they had Endeavor Games and Mm -hmm. Angel City Games virtually. I had never participated in either. I'd never even heard of them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, they have archery. Let me dust off this bow, sit in my backyard and shoot my target. And that's what I did. And I loved it so much that I asked a girl to, for some advice. And she was like, do you know Leah Coriel, the Paralympian? I'm like, no. She was like, well, maybe she can give you some pointers. Mm. So Leah Coriel FaceTimed me and talked to me about the sport of archery and became my Facebook friend and invited me to participate in pair archery. And I thought that that was the most amazing thing I could ever do. And so now that is all I do 
I eat, sleep, and shoot <laughs> archery. <laughs> and and um, I know that you've you've taken on both uh, compound and, and recurve. For those that are listening, what even I mean, just talk about the difference between the two. Um, you know, even in terms of of equipment, in terms of of training, and how you train for both. Uh, talk a little bit about each each both. The re, maybe start with the recurve. Okay, since that was the last one that I uh-huh. decided to learn. So I'm still a newbie, so I have a lot to learn about my recurve equipment. But a recurve bow, when I think recurve, I think Robin Hood. Although he had a bare bow or a long bow, depending on which movie. But basically, that is a bow that has a string, a riser with limbs, and that you pull back and you mm-hmm. hold the weight. So if you're pulling 32 pounds, you hold all 32 pounds until you release. Mm-hmm. It is very technical because if you move just a tiny bit, if your release is off, your shot is inaccurate. Mm. But for Olympic recurve, what I used to shoot, you have to have a sight that has a pin, but it has no magnification. You're allowed to have stabilizer, a long stabilizer in the front and two stabilizers in the back. The distance to shoot for Olympics and Paralympics is 70 meters, Mm. which is approximately seven bus lengths, seven long yellow buses parked directly in front of each other, 70 meters. Very challenging. When I think combo, compound, compound is think Rambo, think your bow hunter. I'm like, yeah, it has. <laughs> it I has got the Rambo reference. I got the Rambo reference. Exactly. So it has cams. So what the wonderful things, honestly, I look at it as it's a bow with training wheels because there's a cam on the top and can at the back. When you pull that bow, if you're pulling 32 pounds, you're maybe holding five mm-hmm. because once you get to a certain point, you don't have to hold anything. But with that one, you get a sight with magnification and your shooting distance is 50 meters, which is 54 yards. And you're like, I think that's not fair, but that's a whole nother, <laughs> it's a whole nother can but of work. Wait a minute, it's easier, easier and less far than <laughs> right. distance. You're cheaters, you're cheaters now, but I love my compound bow. Don't, <laughs> don't get me wrong. And with that one, you're allowed to have front and rear stabilizers but most of your bow hunters shoot compound mm-hmm. and they do a bow hunter setup where their stabilizer is shorter in the front but i'm a target archer so i have stabilizer i have a stabilizer in the back and a stabilizer in the front but what you don't know is i shoot recurve left-handed and i shoot compound right-handed really yes because of my hemiparesis mm-hmm. i'm unable to pull the string with my right hand because it closes. So if I straighten my arm, my fingers bend. Mm -hmm. And when I bend my arm, my fingers straighten. So I can't have load on them. So I'd need a release aid. And for para archery, there's no release aid that I can use for recurve. So I have to shoot with the opposite hand. Wow. And and, and if, 
and if you're like most people, you know, there's very, there's probably very few of us that are actually truly ambidextrous. <laughs> I mean, I'm left-handed, so I, I can't imagine trying to do anything right-handed. <laughs> and I'm left-handed too, but I'm left-handed and right eye dominant. Okay. I am all jacked up. <laughs> <laughs> Must be the brain injury. So, so you, you take on this, you know, you, you kind of just take on this sport and do these uh, two virtual games, Angel City and and Endeavor. And and when did you get the bug? Like, I, I actually want to compete in this. I want to I want to pursue uh, making the national team or I want to pursue, you know, competing at this at the national and international levels. Let me tell you, it did not start out with me wanting to compete at those levels. I merely just wanted to compete with other adaptive athletes. Mm. I just wanted to compete with other athletes. And in order to do so, I had to go to a national tournament. And my first event was SoCal. It's usually in June, but because of COVID, they had it in October. Mm -hmm. And then in November, they had Gator Cup. And I was hoping to meet some some of the paras, but I did not meet any of the paras at SoCal. They were so welcoming that I love them. The archery community is is magnificent. It's wonderful. So they said, well, we'll see you again at Gator Cup. And some of the pairs will be at Gator Cup. But when I met the pairs at Gator Cup, I was like, I want to join a team. I want (laughs) to be on the team too. I have never really been a competitor. I've always been a completer, but I want to be a competitor. That's my new thing. I mean, I used to always say that. I run to complete, not to compete. So instead of saying I was a competitor, that's what I would say. And now I want to compete. So after meeting the team, I was like, how do I, what's the first thing I need to do? And they were like, the first thing you need to do is get classified. And I was like, well, COVID, there's no classifying events. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? And they were like, well, you just have to wait till there's a classifying event. So I had opted to wait and I got an email while I'm shooting my compound bow, because I'm loving my compound bow, I haven't even really given recurve a thought. And I was invited to participate with the team in Monterey, Mexico at the Pan American Championships. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is my opportunity to get classified. I can't wait. I want to go. Well, apparently, I didn't sign up fast enough because all four, well, the team members fill the first slots. And then if they have extra spots and you're a para, mm-hmm. you can do a self-funded slot. And that, that, spot, that spot was filled and I was unable to attend. And they said, well, if you really want to go, you probably have to shoot recurve. I said, recurve? Olympic recurve? Okay. All right. <laughs> I went right out. I got a coach. I was like, let's do it. Four months later, I was in Monterey, Mexico, shooting my recurve bow, not batting an eye. And scoring sixth place. And I was so excited because I was not last. That's amazing. And I, I'd be like, uh, okay, hold on. Time out. What's recurve? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm in. I don't care. I'm in. I don't care what it looks like. I don't, I don't care anything about I, I'm going. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now I mentioned that you know you have a goal of you know making the national team and and um, and you, and you uh, specifically even mentioned competing in twenty twenty four when when the games are in Paris, right? Yes. Who doesn't want to go to Paris? Yeah. <laughs> so 
I've been to Paris, but I want to go to Paris as a Paralympian. That's cool. So my new goal, after competing in Monterey, that's when I really got the bug. I was like, this on an international scale is outstanding. It was so much fun. And in the only way to make the world championship team or the Paralympic team is to go to the Paralympic tryouts. So I went to the Paralympic tryouts earlier this month. I went to, matter of fact, that was last week, the week before last. Okay. It's the week before last. And we completed stage one and stage two at the Eastern Center in Newberry, Florida. Hmm. And so the first day I shot 99 points better than I did in Mexico. And I was like, what? In four weeks, I've improved. I'm so excited. Yeah. The second day, the first day I was second place. The third day, the second day, I was third place. The heat kind of got to me and I wasn't used to shooting that many arrows on two consecutive days. Mm. The trials typically aren't like that, but because of COVID. We had to do back to back. So right now I'm tied for second place. That's awesome. And the top three make the para world. Thank you. The top three make the the para world championship archery team. And that's my goal right now because I would love to shoot in Dubai in February. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that would give me great practice so that I can keep on practicing so I can get the gold medal when I go to Paris in 2024. So when you, you know, you traveled the world a little bit with uh, your military service, did you ever imagine you'd be traveling the world competing in archery? Never, never a thought in my mind. It's like amazing. So I left the military traveling, dreading moving from duty station to duty station to becoming disabled and traveling the world, state to state, sharing my testimony with other people. Basically, I want people to get up and move. So that's why I ran. It wasn't just for me. It was for people to see, look, things have happened to me. I can keep moving. And if I can keep moving, so can you. And then when I couldn't move anymore, it's like, oh, what do I do? Instead of saying, woe is me, I said, let's pick up another sport. Let's try archery. And now I'm traveling and I'm still able to encourage others and to say, see, there's something that you can still do, even if you are in a chair. Yeah. And and do you feel like, are there times where you feel like there are barriers or barriers to entry or barriers to access or barriers to, to participation? There are always barriers, always barriers, be it intrinsic barriers or exterior barriers. There are always barriers. There's barriers in the system. Mm-hmm. I mean, people with disabilities, like just to travel is a hardship. Mm-hmm. I don't have a caretaker because when I got injured, I my situation was different. I went from a chair, out of a chair, back to the chair, and I'm on the rise to get out of the chair again because I can transfer from a wheelchair to a stool. So I don't shoot in the wheelchair like I did when I first started. I now shoot from a stool. And if ever I can graduate to standing, then I will stand. But until then, I will happily take my chair. Mm -hmm. But I have to carry all of that equipment with me and I have to go by myself. And there isn't always help. There is a, a, a warrior program where they 
meet you on the curb and get your things. I have yet to have them do that for me. I've always had to figure out how to drag my things, get in my wheelchair and drag my things to the counter, leaving my car, risking getting towed to get back to park my car to come back. Mm. That alone is disheartening. Who wants to do that? So knowing that that's what you're up against, a lot of people right there are like, well, I can't do it because I have no help. Yeah, and those are those are everyday challenges, you know, outside of sport, right? So, you know, outside of not, sport. not only are there challenges inside sport, but there are challenges outside of sport uh, every day that 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 you confront, like just like that. Yes. Um, another challenge. Let's just use my when I was in Paralympic trials, I fell. I fell. I was trying to transfer, and I fell, hit my head, got a concussion. I still shot. I didn't know I had a concussion. Silly me. I knew I didn't feel well. I thought the heat was just trying to get to me. Mm-hmm. But trying to pull the string back when your muscles don't want to move is very challenging. That's also a barrier. That's also another reason why most pairs choose compound because it's easier to pull and hold. Yeah. But yeah. they're just physical challenges that each of us have that make it difficult. But that does not mean that we can't. We just have to realize that there is no box to think outside of. We just merely need to think. That's a great, a great way to put it. Yeah. And, and kind of along those lines, how are you on either, either through sport or on an everyday basis, redefining disability? You know, by doing it and yep. I'm just doing it. I, I have good days. I literally post on Facebook I'm not as good on Instagram, but I usually post on Facebook Facebook when I have good days and when I have bad days. Although I'm having a bad day, I like to let people know that every day is not a good day for an adaptive athlete because Mm -hmm. every day is not a good day for everybody. Right. Yeah. When even though we have those bad days, we still got to push. We still have things that we have to do. And in showing that I can do it, I honestly would like to be the face, the poster child that says, I'm turning disabilities into capabilities. I mean, that's what Mm -hmm. we're doing. All of the adaptive athletes, we aspire to inspire. Some days we need to pick me up, but we're here Mm -hmm. to pick others up as well. And, and obviously, uh, even, even though it sounds like archery and marathoning is, is consuming a lot of your time, what do you do outside of sport? What are some other things that you're involved in? <laughs> well, actually, I am the membership chair for the Paralyzed Veterans of America. I am the primary caretaker of my mother and her younger sister, who both have cancer. And I'm a speech-language pathologist. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you've got a, a lot on your a lot on your plate. <laughs> yes. Anything else you want to share? Maybe as, as you as you gear up for um, you know, just kind of additional competitions or as you know, as you as you're working your way through the these marathons, any kind of parting thoughts or, or things you'd like to share? The only thing I'd like to share is the only limit is you. Whatever it is that you want to do, you can do. You just have to believe that you can do it. 